time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It's a Friday edition of the pod, and we're still kind of adjusting to some of our new background stuff, our our uh, well, not our microphone, but our uh, our visual here on YouTube with our Zoom background. We updated all of our uh, logos and things, trying something new, something that I think fits a little bit better, but it doesn't quite go as as uh, smoothly on Zoom as I would like. Anyway, here we are. Happy to have another great podcast today with you. Uh, and I should say it's not just me with you today. It's uh, again a guest that we have here on Fridays, and I'm really looking forward to uh, recording. With this individual, we're going to have on the podcast today, Mr. JT Parker from uh, Rio Hondo Prep. He's actually the baseball coach uh, here uh, at Rio the past few years and led Rio to a uh, CIF Southern Section Championship in 2019, the first in school history. So we'll definitely talk about that, um, his visions for the baseball program, things of that nature. Uh, JT also coaches football at Rio, one of the assistants. He's uh, heavily invested in the program there at Rio Hondo Prep uh, in the high school department. And his uh, his dad coach, coaches uh, on the girls' side of high school thing. His mother uh, was very influential to a lot of young ladies in the high school program as well. So JT is just kind of uh, engulfed really in Rio Hondo Prep and, and a guy that I'm looking forward to having on the podcast here. He also had two sisters that went through the program, uh, were great athletes themselves. So a lot to catch up on with uh, JT. I actually had the uh, privilege to coach JT and his teammates in junior high many, many years ago. Uh, but now JT is uh, married, a father of uh, well, a few kids, I believe. And uh, one of JT's greatest talents is his voice. He's, uh, he's been quite the singer over the years and has performed uh, uh, in all kinds of places. So I'll let him uh, tell you all about that. But those of you who know JT Parker, you know that uh, he's got uh, one of the strongest singing voices around. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, some stories and maybe of where he has performed and things. But uh, anyway, we're going to get right to it. We've had his very good friend, Ed Drain, on the podcast multiple times. I've been looking forward to having JT on. So it comes from a great uh, family and the Parker family and, and of course, the Rio Hondo Prep family. So let's not waste any more time. Let's bring in our guest today, Mr. JT Parker. Okay, I'm now joined by the head baseball coach of Rio Hondo Prep, Mr. JT Parker. And JT, right off the bat, I got to tell you, I've wanted to have you on because I know your good friend, uh, Ed Drain, has now been on here twice. He's already working on a third time. We can't have too much Eddie Drain before we have uh, JT Parker on. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, uh, Ed's a lot more of a talker than me, so I'm sure he <laughs> loves being on and being heard. <laughs> <laughs> it must be a drain thing because I grew up with it, his brother Devin, right? So, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. And yes, and def the drains, their recall and their memories, man, they're spot on and their stories are hilarious. So, yeah, I'm sure they're a good time. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we'll work on uh, brother Dave getting him on here uh, soon because uh, I always tell these guys who like to talk, all right, let's get you on the microphone because, uh, yeah, the, the world wants to hear from you. So anyway, uh, yeah. I know you, you grew up with Ed. 
uh, a very young age, um, you know, uh, and, and Eddie had, uh, you know, his, his struggle with the leukemia and everything. And uh, you were at the forefront of all that kind of, I don't know, is that kind of where you guys became uh, best of friends? He's told me this story, but what's, what's your perspective? Um, well, I mean, we were next door neighbors. So I feel like we're, it was like, we're default best friends literally since we were like three, four years old, um, did nursery school together, played on the same care team, um, an Indian. And then, yeah, I mean, our friendship kind of built around just playing sports and practicing, uh, for our team together. And then, yeah, obviously was fourth grade I believe it was fourth grade that yeah he got leukemia and that was devastating and at the time like in fourth grade that's kind of hard to process and you don't I don't know yeah we definitely grew in that time and it was a sad time and it was almost good that we were younger and couldn't really understand the whole like, scope yeah. of the situation it must have been way harder to be like the parents in that oh, yeah. time, just realizing what was happening. Well, I was like I was saying, I was playing with, uh, with Devin, you know, the, the oldest train and, and we were in high school and our varsity years. And, you know, it was tough for us. Our, our coach, Ken drain, you know, his son yeah. and going through this. So we kind of rallied around the, the drains and you as a fourth grader, JT is, is the story, uh, is the story true and accurate that you kind of led the charge uh, with the whole shave your head for Ed, I'm still shaving my head now, uh, yep. <laughs> just cause I'm losing most of mine. But, uh, th- did you lead the charge on that as fourth graders? Yeah. So got all the friends, got a bunch of the high schoolers to do it. We still give Devin a hard time for not doing it. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> cause, cause we were all out there. We looked stupid <laughs> at the time. I feel like my, my head looked blue cause it never seen the sun, but <laughs> Yeah, it was it was cool to get everyone on board and make Ed feel a little more part of the group. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to see where where he's come. And then you guys had great times there on uh, on Indian under, you know, Mr. Martin and uh, still one of the biggest upsets in Cary Youth history, in my opinion, that that game over the Cardinals in, uh, in fifth grade. Uh, so there was, that, that, there was I have that on my notes. Do you? OK. That's okay. My, so one of my biggest moments in care. <laughs> I love it. That's outstanding, man. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's it crazy to see and uh, just try to put it in perspective for those like non carry people. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, JT, I mentioned yeah. you're the coach of the baseball team. Um, you uh, have had a uh, uh, pretty, I don't know if it's a career or whatever, but you've had some big moments kind of performing and singing, especially there at care and Rio, uh, your family and everyone is affiliated with the school. So we have a, a lot to get to. And let's just kind yeah. of start at the, the beginning. We already kind of touched on it. Yeah. I asked most people, hey, how'd you discover Care Youth League? Did you see someone at school? But for you, you just had to look over the wall and see this big, great field and uh, possibilities, right? Yep. I grew up on my land. I lived in three different houses on my land. So Care was always my backyard our neighbors to Ed and Wes Mosier, who were on my team. Um, Bill Lee, who was one of my coaches for like three years. Um, and I have him down as probably one of my more influential coaches lived two doors down from me. And we're always doing activities and stuff with him. That was super cool. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, care is just, it's hard to explain to people when you're a quote care kid, but it's, yeah, it's, care kid, it's yeah. your life. Your parents are always down there coaching. And so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, talk to me about that. Did you kind of so, understand? Yeah. That? I mean, Oh, we're breaking up a little. I'm sorry. It's your, your connection was a little choppy, but we'll get through it. What? So tell me yeah, about yeah. that. Like that, um, you know, being a quote unquote care kid, you know, you, you said it, not me, although we all kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. you know, had that term um, for most of us, we came from the outside world, I guess it's, and you were like kind of born into this really. I mean, was it, did you find it? I, I don't know what the word is. Odd, not odd, but just like, was it, was it ever kind of like, Oh yeah, not everyone lives at the field like I do. They go home to other places and things with like other teammates and stuff. Yeah, I mean, when you're younger, I don't, I don't really take note of it. You kind of <laughs> catch wind of it in when you're in high school and uh, people like uh, you get <laughs> special treatment because you're a care kid <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, but no, it, it kind of forced me to really just. Um, make sure I was making relationships outside of just that like immediate friend group that I grew up with. Um, and yeah, I, th I think I have lifelong friends who aren't care kids. Um, yeah. and that was, yeah, just really forcing myself, um, junior high and high school to just develop those friendships and not just stay with the people that I maybe felt comfortable with just cause I just grew up with them. So yeah, kind of just grew the, into that. I think the only advantage uh, I'll say I, I see you people uh, had, and I mean that term in, with it uh, enduring, yes. uh, is the whole roll out of bed, roll down the bank into your classroom. I mean, Devin, Devin told me he'd get up like 14 minutes before class started or something. I, I, I'm probably butchering that, but we were up an hour and a half early, leaving super yes. early. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, as close as I lived, I was still one of your biggest culprits in being late to school. I am not a morning person. It never person. fails. Yes. It never fails. You guys hit traffic yeah. that long walk to school. I yeah, know, the long walk. <laughs> well, I think my my parents just they just assume since you live close that oh yeah they're just going to get down there so they come in the room. All right, get up. It's time to get ready for bed, and then it's on you. So. Uh, <laughs> was not the most disciplined in that yeah <laughs> well uh you, you you've uh, improved greatly i'm sure as we all have over the course of life but uh so tell me about your early days at care finally getting to go down there put that indian uniform on play with your buddies uh who was your first coach what are your earliest memories like your favorite sports or did you kind of just like everything um so i mean i think my earliest memories were just football season and my dad really uh getting me spatted up for football. Um, <laughs> I was like, had the cool face mask, wristbands and everything. And then I would yeah. go out and practice on field one, which was basically my backyard um, doing routes and stuff with him. So I remember that. Um, I don't remember exactly who my first coach was, but Bill was there pretty early. Um, and he was just so fun, just more for, off the field reasons and you know bill's personality um but yeah he kind of took us our team under his wing and we did so many uh outings and stuff and bill took us to disneyland and 
six flags and we went on hikes and stuff and that's in care um so that was was super fun was he in the marines yet was was he in the marines when he's coaching no not yet no so this was right before and i remember him telling us that he was going (laughs) to be in the marines and i remember crying when i was a little kid because it's like the guy who lives two doors down and it's like on the weekends We'd all wait every weekend. We'd go help him wash his car. Then he'd take us to seven 11. We'd get a big gulp and a chili cheese dog. Yeah. Um, that, that was like part of my like routine. And it was like, man, he's leaving. It just felt like we we're never going to see him again. And, but <laughs> yeah, obviously he went, did great things and has crazy stories to tell. And no, we're still good. I, I think care. I mean, care youth league has this, this great, um, concept right of leading others and uh i think all of the older coaches um are are wonderful and not even older guys but guys you know when you're a kid and someone's 40 okay they seem super old to you right and and all my coaches were wonderful but something that care really does a good job of is is involving younger people guys in their Uh 20s and even people in their in their teens to coach younger people because there is this like this bigger draw to someone who's closer. Oh man, they seem younger and cooler and hip. And that that's kind of was your experience with Bill Lee. Oh, definitely. And, and we stress that to our high school guys. Now it's like, yeah, it's sometimes a pain and it's inconvenient for you guys to do it. But looking back at our careers, yeah, our most important coaches and the people that we connect with the most were those young coaches. Um, I think that's why Mark's done a good job of trying to get young coaches on the high school staff. Um, and I know Mark was one time the young coach who a lot of players connected with. And yeah, I think that's yeah definitely accurate. Those young coaches co- closer in age, the players really connect with. Well, JT, you had uh, great times in care uh, towards the end of your care youth league days. You played uh, uh, the AAA division as it once was called uh, fifth grade and uh, I've talked to Ed about this before, but you played the West Covina Cardinals who, who had over the years always won everything. I mean, Ed was still recovering from, uh, you know, what he was going through and the West Covina Cardinals, they were a juggernaut and they went on to have a bunch of guys who played like division one football and basketball. And, uh, but, but one yeah. day in whatever year that was, you guys played them in the, uh, Carrie's league championship game when you guys were heavy underdogs. Yes. I'm sure Ed can literally go possession by possession. <laughs> Ed remembers like care games. It's hilarious. He'll like just throw out a care game. I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> um, no, but that game was crazy because I mean, back then we played on eight and a half in fifth grade. So we're still on eight and a half. And I don't know if this is just like a story that's just like completely been built up over the years, but that like Chris Adams and Ifi Amudu both could dunk in fifth grade on eight and a half baskets. <laughs> so I don't think so. It is true. They, they, they did put up a hundred points on superior in that season. I um, and no one thought, no one thought that they could get close. And I'm sure, I don't know, it was Phil, the coach at the time, he probably got in trouble for that. But yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was wild that we beat them. I don't know how, probably slowed the game down. I don't know. I don't even remember the game. I remember I lost the ball towards the end and got like yelled at, but yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, sometimes it's, it is a blur. And then there's guys like, you know, your, your buddies who have uh 
photographic Ed memory. Can tell but... you his whole, Ed will tell you his whole stat line for the game. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, but no, yeah. I was just, uh, I, I'll never forget that. Of all the games I was, I saw it care. I remember seeing that and going like, you, there's no way. I was actually roughing the game and uh, just was yeah. like, it, I've seen some upsets in my day. That was, that was, that was one for the book. Uh, yes. Jay, you talked about outings and your coach and, and the teams. I mean, what, what would you, how would you sum up care youth league, your experience and kind of what care youth league continues to do today? What is so great about it? Why so many people who've gone through it just have countless stories. Like we've heard here on, on this podcast, what is it that makes care youth league special? Well, I think it's a combination of the sports and the outings, um, but similar to the high school, I don't know quite how much it's like this now, but back then, basically everyone who was in care, you kind of went to Pearl. Um, then after school, you went down and did your activities. So the people who you were friends with, you were constantly with, you were with them all day. And it was cool just because yeah, you'd have guys who played on other teams who you were friends with other than just like through sports. Um, and you don't see that in other leagues. Um, I mean, I'm not super, I don't quite know our stats on like what kids go to our school and are also playing in care, but at least when I was playing, that was the case. And I think that's what made it really cool. Yeah. Now, and, and I feel that once you go into Rio Hondo prep, you get into junior high. It was like that for me. It was like this for guys before me. And I felt mm -hmm. like your, your class, your kind of group of guys specifically, you guys were kind of being, I don't know, prepared. You're mentally, physically, like you were, you guys knew we are going to be something special. The, the journey to be a CIF champion it starts in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And did you feel kind of that as soon as you got to wear that real Hondo prep uniform for the first time, like, Hey, one day we're going to be out there on the varsity, not too long in the future. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, Rio, that's kind of the thing. You, everyone, you, once you're part of the Rio program, everyone just assumes like it's championship or bust in football. But I knew that, man, we had a lot of athletes, um, on our team and we had really good relationships so we knew that we had a really good group um, man even in junior high it was too bad we lost probably four or five of our our best guys um, we lost Davis Cazares, Tomah, Matt Schultz, Ronnie Tunnell, Matt Brown who were like huge for us for high so I mean, even losing that, man, we had a, I think, a stacked yeah. group of athletes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And every every class kind of, well, I say most classes have yeah. have kind of a good chunk of that. And usually someone yeah. from a class, you know, departs and you mentioned some amazing athletes. there, great names. I was actually, I actually was refing a Northview game where Ronnie Tunnell was playing. Oh, really? I, I didn't throw the flag, but <laughs> I kind of shook my head and went, Oh, Ronnie. So uh, oh, I think the other shoot. teams, other, the other team scored uh, kind of by uh, it was a by the corner of the end zone, right? Ran it uh -huh. in or something, and uh, Ronnie just walked by real slow and absolutely kicked the pile, <laughs> almost threw the uprights. He was so mad, and my guy crossed the way, threw the flag on him for unsportsmanlike, and I'm just going, yes. Ronnie, Ronnie, what are you doing, man? I told you in junior high not to do that stuff. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> we were a, a competitive bunch. Yes. Yeah. You guys really were, well, man. Uh, I mean, every sport, every sport, you guys wanted to get better and, uh, and uh, push yourselves. And, and man, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fun time. So those junior high years, uh, you guys now see, it's been such a long time. You guys, cause junior high football was always a big deal, right? Beating, uh, winning the championship. Did you guys, I'm trying to remember, did you guys win at your seventh grade, lose at your eighth grade? I can't remember. Man, just, you no don't remember. No, no worries. Remember. So many games ago. No, either way, it's all good. Well, well, you go into a uh, high school, JT, you mentioned you, you lost a few guys. Um, and when you go into real Hondo high school, I mean, the time is now the place is here. It's like, it's, it's mm-hmm. real and you better figure it out quick. What were your memories of, uh, of high school sports? I know you guys did win a CIF football championship and then, uh, you, you, you guys survived a semifinal, I think, the next year and then unfortunately lost in the, in the championship game in, a, in the Mud Bowl. Tell me about, uh, we're fast forwarding a little bit here, but you yeah. know, your junior and senior years of kind of some glory days in RHP football. Yeah. So that junior year, our championship year was, it was a wild season because we lost, I think, three games that year that, man, we had no business losing which was kind of a gut check and really look at yourself as a team um and then obviously we went on to i think we beat riverside christian um who had a guy who went on and played at cal running back um but yeah just i think you grow up dreaming of that like especially being down there going to games running on the field getting sweatbands from the players and just dreaming of being in that situation was surreal. Um, and then fast forward to the senior year and we just, man, we really wanted to go back to back. We had an awesome undefeated season. And then we get to that semifinal game. That was a game opening kickoff. I got ear hold. Um, <laughs> and then I was out uh, with the concussion that game and we we're down Chris Yamas, our quarterback, like midway through the game had a neck injury and then he went to the hospital and we're down to like our third string, which was Jay Canna who had was like a backup quarterback on JV and somehow won the game. I mean, I don't, I don't remember the game other than I feel like I've gone back and watched it, but yeah, it's wild that we won that game. And then the championship game, I didn't get cleared to play. I remember being so upset at my uncle Doug. This was like right when concussion Man. protocol and that type of stuff um, was really in effect. And they, I did the testing thing two times. He told me I didn't pass. And man, for your senior season undefeated and to go into a championship game and then be told you can't play, that's, <laughs> that was devastating. Um, but yeah, I mean, that game, uh, we all know, or we think, you never know, but if we're playing on dry ground, we feel like we run away with that game. We had a lot of speed. Um, our game was running around the end with Charles super fast, but running around the end when it's real slippery, it's uh, can't get any traction. So yeah, it was tough. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, I mean, you guys win uh, your junior year, Riverside Christian, as you mentioned, yeah. next year, 
senior year, you guys are, are cruising. You, you played Salesian, uh, a school that dressed a lot of guys, and uh, they were quite dirty on the field and uh, knocked you out of the game, literally knocked Chris Yamas out. Uh, and um, you guys survived uh, one of the, to me, that was one of the gutsiest wins I've ever seen in, in, in school history. And again, yeah. I think a lot of people remember, but uh, I feel for you. I feel for you then. I feel for you now to not have that opportunity to play that yeah. uh to play your senior year that had to be just or your senior your final game and the yeah. mud bowl i think it was like nine to six or something but uh yeah. hey it, it all ends for everybody at some point <laughs> yes uh, it does JT. <laughs> and it gets it gets less devastating the more years you move away from it so Amen. Amen, <laughs> we got to tell man. the high school guys too <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah that those lessons you can uh, spread them to others uh, yeah. I, I i don't know for certain but what was your favorite sport and i always ask guys this football basketball baseball what was your favorite or did you kind of all like them all about the same um i mean i always said my favorite sport was whatever sport i was playing at the time <laughs> looking back i think i I enjoyed just the team aspect of football and it, there's something different and special about that, that you don't really get in any other sport. Um, I would say the sport I probably excelled the most in was baseball. Um, and I just, I love in every sport. I like to play the position to me that was more thinking and understanding the game. So I caught in baseball and that to me was, my favorite position across any sport that I played. Um, but I enjoy whatever sport we were playing at the time was my favorite sport. No, that's a great answer. Definitely expected that. And yeah, you're a guy that was always uh, thinking ahead and so processing things. And I think that's what makes uh, guys really good uh, at catcher, quarterback, those types of things. Uh, so this is something that's always discussed at like the major league level. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, Guys who play catcher and at any level, high school, you, you played catcher in high school, you're now coaching a high school baseball team. Do you think the experiences playing catcher kind of probably gives guys a little bit, uh, I don't know, jump start or head start into maybe coaching baseball? Um, yeah, I think just as a catcher, just being involved in every single play and just really you have to be locked in and paying attention to every single play. Um, definitely gives you a heads up because you're taking mental notes the whole entire game constantly. So um, I think that definitely gives you a heads up and just barking out orders to the infield when the ball's in play. Um, yeah, I think any sort of position like that quarterback, I would say is the same thing. Um, but just understanding the movement of the field, where guys should be, where the ball should go. Um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say that would give you a little bit of a heads up coming in, but. Well, changing gears a little bit here, uh, JT, you're yeah. someone who's always had a really good uh, singing voice from when you were very young to all through high school and beyond uh, was singing something you enjoyed doing or just kind of begrudgingly did it because, you know, somebody asked you and, and, and do you have any uh, memorable performances from, you know, as a kid or the high school years? Cause in high school, you're kind of doing everything, playing ball, singing, yeah. uh, academics and everything. Where has uh, your singing career? Uh, I don't know from start to finish or if it's still going. Yeah. So 
Uh, I sang in church for the first time when I was three years old. I think I sang like God bless the USA or something on like 4th of July. My mom's like, I don't even remember who went up to her and someone was like, Hey, JT could actually kind of sing. You you might want to think about putting them in lessons or whatever. (laughs) So I started taking lessons and I think I was like in third grade and I did that basically all the way through high school with a couple different um, teachers um in junior high like I somehow got invited to do a few like Republican conventions like sing the national anthem and I earned like my trip money from doing that I did a like an event for Tommy Lasorda I'm at the Jonathan club which was super cool (laughs) um just singing like yeah the national anthem and like god bless the USA like some stuff like that um High school, obviously, sports kind of really took the lead. I mean, I've always been really into sports. Singing's kind of my gift, Um, but kind of took a little bit of time away from singing. And then my junior year, I got a little more intense with, like, actual, like, classical singing music academy. Um, And then high school – or college i went to citrus did the citrus singer thing um was in like six or seven shows there we traveled uh did a classical tour in italy we did a short stay in hawaii where you do you get contracted by like hotels and you sing by the pool and in the bars and stuff um yeah and now i do just the worship at care church and I mean, I've, I can't even tell you how many weddings I was saying at. So <laughs> I remember all the high school girls. That's basically girls, what I do now. <laughs> all the high school girls when we were uh, coming up and you were, you know, you were young. Maybe it was Archie. I don't remember. Well, everyone, they all said, oh, we want JT to sing at our wedding. You know, it's just like <laughs> someday he's going to sing at all these weddings. And then you ended up doing uh, all that. What were some of the coolest places your singing travels uh, took you? You mentioned Hawaii. That had to be cool. Yeah, I mean, the the best was Italy. So we went to Italy for two, two and a half weeks. And um, that was singing like hard classical music, um, choral arrangement, arrangements that are like you do an hour and a half concert and you're just going from cathedral to cathedral and to <laughs> sing like stuff that was written um, and meant to be sung in those environments and then to actually do it man that's i mean it's like when you drop a perfect play and it works perfectly in the game in the right scenario there's something really uh moving about doing that and in environments that have been there for hundreds years i mean that that to me was my favorite experience and hawaii was just cool that to me that was just like a vacation you literally (laughs) they paid citrus to have us go down there and then you sing for like one hour two hours out of the day and then you just get the rest of the day to yourself in hawaii and like that was like my second year out of high school so i'm just like yeah living it up it was awesome man that that is so cool yeah anytime you can uh be paid to travel uh, no matter what it is it's it's pretty cool um yeah. Now you, you strike me as kind of, the, you mentioned it already. You're kind of a soft-spoken guy. I mean, you don't seem like a spotlight guy by any means, 
but there's there's something that is there a, a switch you flip maybe when you go on stage where maybe you have a almost like stepping in a batter's box i mean is there a different mentality you carry on the stage versus your your daily life um yes i i consider myself like a perfectionist in those areas like so athletics my singing just things that i feel like i've put time in and effort to make myself good and to the point where I'm at now. So I, I feel like I expect more out of myself in those situations, but yeah, definitely for performing. I've always had a switch. I'm, I have sort of like a, uh, like a ham side of me that I could turn on for acting and singing. Um, that's why I think most people <laughs> When they meet me and I, I say I sing, I don't come across as the type of person who necessarily does that. So, yeah, I, I actually I enjoy that. Just the kind of two different like alter ego personality type oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. No, I, I totally get it. Um, sometimes we separate our lives uh, into different categories and yeah. different side, side of us comes out at different times. Um <sighs> So you mentioned that uh, you, you, do you lead the, the care youth church, uh, um, um, musical, uh, musical side of things now, or, uh, I know there's other people involved. And for those of you yeah. who haven't been in a while, I've seen a few on YouTube care youth church is, is very, very different. What can you tell us about some of the changes in the, the music side of uh, care youth church? Yeah. So I think, Man, everyone, if they think of like Care Youth Church, they're used to just like just the organ or piano and yeah, just doing the old hymns, which we love. And, um, but I think John Collins, it was right before he went off to med school, he was really pushing for us to like do a full band, um, and kind of changed that culture. Um, so he's the one who really headed that up and he was with us for like three months and then ended up going to med school and kind of dropped that on our plate. But, um, we have a group with, uh, Danielle, um, Cipriano and, um, Olivia Nambu who really head that up. And I would say all three of us equally are kind of taking that charge and, really working on getting redoing some hymns and introducing the church to new uh some modern stuff and just full band stuff that in the past man if if you saw full band on stage when i was a kid it was like the highlight of the year for like <laughs> a musical performance um but yeah we do it every week we do three sometimes four songs and now, now yeah. I don't need any, uh, I don't need any details, but was, was, uh, change is not easy for everybody. And, and some would say at care things, some progress slowly at times. <laughs> um, do you, th <laughs> was there kind of a pushback or was it kind of like begrudgingly some of the changes maybe in the music? Cause personally, I used to really like the organ and the old school yeah. hymns and everything. Yeah. Um, cause it was unique and old school, but I, yeah. I understand adapting. So what was it kind of a, a, <laughs> was it accepted yeah i mean but... it, no i mean anything at care it's always gonna be 
you always have pushback and it's usually 50% of the people are super in favor and 50% of the people are like, no, why change? And I mean, I think, yeah, just we're really trying to balance, find a balance um, of kind of pleasing, yeah, both sides of the issue and make sure that hymns are a mainstay in our church. But no one says you can't have a full band and music behind it and yeah, group of people who make it sound good. So, um, yeah, just trying to find that balance. And yeah, obviously, I mean, anytime there's change uh, in an organization, especially at Karen Rio, everyone's very opinionated and uh, this is the way that we've always done things. But no, it's no, it's, I it's, think, I think it's interesting because it's, it's one of the only places I not the only, but like where there is this dynamic of, of okay, traditional things, uh, values. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of those things are, are wonderful. And, and I'm a big believer in old school values. I think as a society, we've kind of gotten a little too far away from the thing. Uh, but maybe there's better ways to do things. I mean, that's, that's always good. And so you're right in the sense that there's a balance, there's a balance and yeah. you're kind of the, the young up and coming generation, right. That's mm-hmm. kind of, needs to take over at, at some yeah. point. And, and this is an example of a way to go about doing that. So was that kind of how you guys felt like, Hey, we want to do this. We want to make this good, make this better. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, we talk with the younger group of um, leaders all the time, just how we want to grow care, grow our church, grow the school. Um, and we know that one of the ways to really grow care and grow the school is grow the church. And so right now we're, we just want to develop something that care families would want to come to um, future real families, people outside of just our leadership, um, which I know has not always been the case in the past. So yeah, it is a little different. It's still looking at it a little differently. And obviously there's always going to be a little pushback, but I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, we're just doing okay, what man. we feel. You know, there was pushback yes. for, uh, for real going, uh, 11 man football. And there was pushback yeah. there. Your dad spearheaded it, man, uh, building yeah. the field and everything. And what a job yep. your dad's done with the Parker field, Parker park, in my opinion. But, uh, uh, I love it over there. I saw the field for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago um talk to me about you, you great singing career you did all these uh you've traveled all over and you're now leading the care youth church um uh, using your talent uh, using your powers for good we, we should say uh but uh when was when was it determined or or whatever that you were going to be coaching in the high school and and when you heard you were kind of you would be coaching in the high school was that something that was intimidating or was it something that you're like oh man i'm i'm ready for this um, I mean, yeah, coaching in the high school, I guess, has always been like my dream, like the final spot. Um, so it, is, it was unique in that I had that opportunity at a younger age. That kind of came about just through circumstance that uh, Todd was going to end up, he was moving. Um, they had the vacancy in the high school program. Um, I've always had just an affinity for baseball and Todd and I have a great relationship. Um, 
And even when I wasn't like coaching, just coming down to help Todd and stuff like that. So I, I already had that relationship and I, I just applied for the high school opening and came in. I think that first year, Mark and I, we kind of like dual head coached. Um, I think he had, we put his name on the roster. It was my first year. So I was like, man, I don't want to go out there and do the, <laughs> the meetings with the umps and have to go out there and argue calls. You you do it in the first year. And then, yeah, he was, was more just like showing me the ropes of that. And then he gave me the reins, which man, at, at Karen Rio, that's, it's people hold on to their jobs very tightly. So I think that was, <laughs> that was huge of Mark to kind of like trust me in that way um, and give me the reins of the baseball program. And I mean, yeah, Mark's, I mean, it's a one, a one B. So it's Mark's there every step of the way with me still. So. Well, a couple things I want to ask you regarding uh, the two Carson men, uh, Mark at that time, similar, I'm, the timelines is whatever, but at that time he was, Probably, you know, he's the head football coach and that requires a lot. And to be a head coach of another team, it's, it's possible, it's doable, but you know, you just, it's, it's just kind of better to have, I think, okay, I'll be on the staff, but have someone else do it. Um, And, and so, because to me, you, you mentioned Todd, there's no one to me that was more was, and still is more qualified as far as baseball goes. Todd Carson, I, I learned to love baseball. Uh, from becoming very good friends with him and going to games and Todd knows more about baseball. He knows how to teach it. Um, he, he's just somebody that was passionate still is about it. Um, and, and I know that I was glad to hear that you kind of had talked to him about, you know, coaching and things. What are some of the things I don't have to hear strategy or anything, but what are some of the things, as you mentioned from Todd Carson that you kind of learned and, and take with you into uh, coaching baseball now at the high school level? Yeah. I mean, our identity and kind of what we've decided we're going to be as a team, a lot of it is just through playing with Todd and going to Fullerton games. And he's, you obviously have done that with him and know that he's huge on like the small ball um, effort plays, that type of stuff. And I mean, for our team, we're, we're never going to have guys who really play year round. Um, so our recipe for winning has to be manufacture runs and just playing like ultra hard. Um, and that's kind of been developed just through, yeah, like I said, going to games with Todd and him pointing out like situations in the game. Oh, the first baseman took it off of his chest on a hard ground ball. Um, man, what a gritty play. Um, just him pointing out stuff like that in games that's kind of what's shaped like how we have run our baseball program right now. Um, I mean, Todd's a great teacher um, in the, just the fundamentals of the game, which I kind of used when I was coaching in care. And I think it's super important just developing those baseline, the techniques of throwing Um, Todd would make sure we're, going to batting practice. We went to see Robledo. Um, I don't know if you guys ever went to him, but he was a batting coach. Todd would take us every week. 
guys who wanted to and just work on the technique of the swing. Um, just those baseline things are things that I've taken into coaching the varsity guys and just really thankful to Todd. Um, yeah, like you said, I kind of developed my love of the game through going to games with him and just seeing his enthusiasm for baseball, which at some times is not a very enthusiastic, uh, yeah, fun sport to watch. So just finding the areas of the game to make it fun well, been huge like, from him. I, th- I think to sum it up, you, you basically said, you know, it takes a lot more work than Rio has put into baseball in the past. I mean, Mr. Loomis came on in the uh, 1990, in the late nineties and early two thousands and really helped that, that program, uh, the Rio program excel and, and had some great, great years there, a great era of Rio baseball. But mm-hmm. uh, in today's baseball, kids are playing year round. Kids are playing that one and only sport. Rio Hondo has to do more if they want to be successful in the program. Now you won a championship in 2019, uh, but it was probably a little harder than it needed to be almost in the, in that competition. It's just real Hondo is so football centric. And then you play basketball. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to do all the sports at once. So what is it you think you guys need to do more of in baseball going forward to kind of get the program more consistent? Uh, uh, one is we want to get more guys in the school. So guys can potentially, we could be at a point where guys can focus on two sports. If they have to, they play football and then they choose another sport. I know some people will disagree with that, but if we, the way that CIF is laid it out now, that's almost where we have to beat it compete like at a super high level in these sports and then the bottom line is we have to develop pitchers this year uh, we had a championship level offense but we uh just had absolutely no pitching and that championship year the difference was just we had a pitching staff we had a one-two punch with evan and jack who were both i would say elite pitchers in our division and both of them grew up playing baseball Mm. and we had Jake Lang who grew up playing baseball and those guys just had so many more reps it was nothing I did um, as a coach it's just they came in to high school just having so many more at bats and experiences playing the game so yeah pitching to live hitters at a younger age, just developing them that way. I think that's our ticket. Yeah. Cause I and, think and I, with, go, go ahead, go it. ahead. I was just saying, I think with Mark and I, man, we, we play a very aggressive brand of baseball and we always feel like no matter how good or bad our bats are big hitters, we always feel like we're going to be able to produce runs. Um, so yeah, for us, pitching is always going to be the key. Yeah, and I think it, it it stems from just something as simple as playing. Hey, let's play let's play catch for you know ten minutes a day. Uh, yeah. Maybe not even uh, live live pitching or whatever. But yeah, guys that have put in the time because a lot of baseball is that just repetition and go out there and yeah. do it. And uh, it's so it becomes second nature to you. So uh, I love the aggressiveness on, on the base paths and and at the plate that you got. You know, Mark Carson, that offensive coordinator, uh, dials it up yeah. where well. Um, it is nice to hear JT that you kind of have a, a clear vision as to the, how things can be better real because uh, even baseball, because I do think football is always going to be there, but baseball is something real could be better at not that they're yep. not good at it, but 
we could be better at. And it's those little things, as you mentioned, being able to steal an out in the middle of a game with a pickoff or, or just yep. pitch consistently. The, the game is a beautiful game when you, when you catch the ball, when you can catch and throw the throw and catch the ball. It's a great game. Yep. Yep. That's what it comes down to. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you um, before I ask you about, uh, well, you kind of touched on 2019. We, what, what, what did that year, what did that mean to you? Not just to uh, see Rio win their first CIF baseball championship because other teams have been so close, but to actually do it as a head coach and be a part of it. I mean, you led the way. What did, what did that mean for, for you? Uh, your, your dad who coaches also had to be extremely proud of you. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I was looking through our, the CIF book. I had like a little like picture book made of the championship game and man flood with emotions. Um, it's special. Uh, one Todd came to the game and to me, that was emotional for me because I know it's, not necessarily something Todd wanted to do and step away. And just to me, like that team was part of his team too. He kind of um, coached those guys up to the point where they were at. So he was handing off like a really good product um, and just like extreme thankfulness to him. Um, but just, I think for the whole championship, just bringing legitimacy to the program and, it's tough because, yeah, we're waiting for another championship, whether it was football, baseball, just that dry spell, just that everyone's kind of on pins and needles just waiting for that next one and just to have a deep breath to get it. Um, that was huge to just bring the legitimacy to our program. And, yeah, I mean, obviously my dad grew up coaching or I grew up watching him coach in high school and you always just hope that he wins a championship and then, and to do it, that was my first year. So it's like, shoot, where do you go from, here? where do you go from here? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a special time and I'm thankful to the guys. I'm thankful to Mark for giving me the opportunity. Thankful to Todd, um, my dad for just being that example as a coach and, had to be yeah, a little frustrating, frustrating in that first inning to give up what four runs in the top of the first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it was tough. Uh, that's kind of not necessarily that year, but real baseball, it's kind of been that up and down roller coaster Ugh. of, I mean, you saw our, our playoff game this year. That's kind of, I did. I did. <laughs> Seven, nothing yes. lead. That was a, that was yes. a tough one to swallow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that's I want to give I, your I want to give uh, your dad some credit, and I'd love to have him on the podcast someday soon. Uh, my, but uh, you want to talk about someone who doesn't like talking? That guy, <laughs> my dad, <laughs> hates talking. It's okay. I can we, I can make it work. Just give me a head yeah. nod or something, and we'll go. But <laughs> but your dad, very influential to me as as mm -hmm. a young guy. Um, your dad was a guy that anytime games needed to be kind of officiated down there at Rio or care, I should say, uh, he would do it, but he would always do, he'd always go the extra mile. And I think your dad did some officiating, but I learned so many things like him. Like when you work a basketball, he'd wear a jacket, uh, and his shirt would be tucked in. He'd have, uh, the way he wore an undershirt, like he was always sharp. You could tell he had mm -hmm. watched other guys do it. And I was like, I want to be like Mr. Parker. I want to do it the right way too. So I owe him a tremendous 
amount of gratitude. Cause when I started my officiating journey, I kind of had a head start on other guys that didn't know how to uh, tie their shoes or, or, you know, wear the right pants and stuff like that. So uh, if, if you see your dad or he listens to this, thank you, Mr. Yeah. Parker, for giving me that head start. Yep. I mean, that's my dad's, I would say, biggest strength. He just wants everything to look professional. And you see that with the Parker Field. Right now, he's heading up the project for the new entrance at CARE. He helped out with the baseball field. Um, but he just wants our program to just look professional. Mm. Um, so he's very – he has a good eye for that. And he's – it's Details. tough – details very detail oriented and yeah it's tough sometimes growing up with that i would say i'm not the most like clean uh <laughs> my dad gives me the hardest time about just having a beard um oh, the- but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um but i mean after i'm pretty strong-willed so after he's made his few comments then it's it's over but yeah no, he's always we, been like that growing up. We need we need Coach Parker to be in charge of uh, something re- regarding our country here. Maybe maybe infrastructure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he can yes. fix all the potholes. Or uh, yes. I don't know. Parker twenty twenty four. That's what I say. He would be but, great uh, at that. <laughs> whatever it is, he will get it done, or at least oversee yes. that something gets done. Right. Yeah, and to to me, that's the biggest thing I've taken away from him, especially like here where I work at DeNovo. He's not all, he's not the type of person who's like, oh, I have to be the person who makes all the decision. Uh, the decision stops at me. It's more, he, he wants to get the best minds and best people available as possible. Um, so that the end product is the best, mm-hmm. not that he was the person who oversaw everything. So he's really good at just delegating and getting right people involved in different projects. So, Yeah. Sounds like you'd be a great uh, general manager in sports. It seems like those characteristics. JT, just real quick, back to your coaching Mm -hmm. baseball. uh, Because I'm curious. I'm very curious in this regard. Uh, What has your experience been like in talking with umpires? Not just uh, exchanging lineup cards, but challenging uh, calls, we'll say, and being the the voice of your team. Um, Have you learned anything about maybe – some things that work and some that don't, what has been your interaction with umpires? Like, man, I would say for me, I'm not a, I'm not a big arguer. Mark's more on that side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to me, when a, when an ump makes his call, I, for the most part, I, it's, I view it as man, he was there. It's his call to make. Who am I to argue it? Obviously, there's some times where I feel like maybe the ump didn't have an angle or he wasn't looking at the right play, and that's when I'll challenge it. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The culture with arguing against umps right now is, man, it's crazy. Um, Arguing balls and strikes all the time. To me, that's something that just, like, you just don't do. Um, but I, I, for the most part, I feel like I've had a really great experience with them. So I don't, I make it a point to not be out on the field every single call. <laughs> like, um, if you see me out there one time, that was one more time than I wanted to be out there. So 
Well, I'll say this, that, that that is noticeable, even from younger, I mean, less experienced umpires. Like that's noticeable when, when one dugout is screaming every play and they're competing and doing yeah. this stuff. It's just like, Hey, this guy's pretty much letting me work late, leaving me alone. Oh, so if he does have a question, oh, wait, what, what was your question? Oh yeah. Can I get help? Or yeah. Okay. I'll work a little harder on the next. You almost, you, you're, you're more open to listening to a guy such as yourself that isn't just tearing them apart every play and every pitch. And so, uh, yeah, keep up the good. I'm sure you'll learn different ways to, to maneuver that, that, that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, tr- we try to myself and Mark just, develop talk to the umps before the game and just ask them a little bit about their life what else they do on the side and just develop some sort of relationship it's fun we had an ump this year we had him like three times super cool dude um he does the food at dodger stadium his name is jonathan and i can't remember his last name his dad was knuckleball pitcher uh, for the longest time for the Dodgers, like super long career. Um, and he does the food now at Dodger stadium. So he would come early to games and talk to our guys about like stadium life and he'll catch bullpens for guys and they let him up spring training games and stuff like that. Super cool. Just getting to know these umps, uh, outside of just this. Cause I know for most of them, it's just, it's a side thing that they do. Yeah. And there's a big shortage, right? So, yeah. uh, and, and I understand it, you know, I don't do it anymore, but, and, and you're not going to get very good guys. There's a lot of bad, bad officials out there, but yeah. uh, you don't have a choice. Usually you put so much heart, you know, heart into screaming or yelling and nothing, it doesn't change anything. It just yeah. getting it off your chest. So no, it seems like to me, you have a really good approach and uh, yeah, that uh, in the future, I'm sure, uh, you know, there's going to be a bad call at some point that you're going to deal with. And it's just that mental uh, climbing of that uh, that mental mountain sometimes during a game or throughout a season that the good coaches and players uh, uh, they yeah. they get through uh, just fine. Uh, let me ask you about coaching with Mark in another sport, football. He is the head coach. Uh, you're the assistant in this case, and um, you guys have a very young staff, an energetic staff, um, yeah. and and a lot of bodies. I mean, I don't know how many exactly. It seemed like there's ten guys out there. What has it been like? coaching uh, alongside Mark, who I'll be honest, is a little bit of a lunatic on Friday nights, but I I get it. I totally get it. Uh, Are you that calming influence or uh, what are kind of your roles on the sidelines? I mean, during the game, my roles are very limited. I basically, I help receivers and I help Randy more just like what I see during a game. I help him with the offense just because I feel like I understand the offense and I help Mark defensively and it's more just like the overlooking of all of it. Um, Defense. I work with the outside linebackers. um, So your bandit, your Rover, sometimes safety. Um, But during the game, Mark's just a, he's a different character. So yeah, (laughs) I mean, I don't ever want to be the coach who's the get back coach for him, but yeah, Mark loves to, prop up our sideline so he'll tell whoever hey come out throw on a rhp polo and uh you be part of our staff for yeah <laughs> that's mark's thing he wants us to look like a big football program so no and that's it's good man you know despite the 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 enrollment and the size of the the team roster size 
I mean, it is a big time program. I just, I try to promote it every chance I get. And I'm excited about the upcoming uh, Charge to Keep podcast starting in this summer that is going to be specifically RHP football and maybe other sports throughout the year, but RHP football specific, uh, similar to what I did last year, but this time with its own platform. And you know what? Rio Sweet. deserves that. And, and I yeah. love what Mark has done, taking this program uh, to the next level since he's taken over. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Mark's kind of been at the helm for the past, whatever, 15 years, even though he's been the head coach for, what is it? Three years, Five, yeah, something, something like that, something like that. But man, Mark's kind of been the driving force of taking our program to the next level. And he's the one who's, he's gone above and beyond just like in his knowledge of the game, um, calling defense. And that's been huge. I mean, I think our, our coaching staff, I mean, to me, it's one of the top coaching staffs in the San Gabriel Valley, just with our coaching experience. I mean, all of us basically coaching from high school and, you know, a lot of times uh, maybe you play D1 football and then you come into coach that doesn't necessarily translate all the time, but our just understanding of the game, how to get the most out of players to me is top notch and then that along with Randy um, and his offense is just, I mean, he's like a savant. His <laughs> offense is amazing. I say, I tell everyone, man, if, if Randy was running this type of offense with some of like our past teams, whew, eh, we would have had some amazing run, runs yeah. that maybe didn't end out, end up the way that we wanted it to. So yeah, he's amazing. It's really interesting what he has done, and we've seen different offenses throughout the years. When we mm -hmm. first went 11, man, uh, we were a little – we weren't quite sure what we were doing. We had to adjust. Then your dad yeah. kind of took over as offensive coordinator, some adjustments there. Uh, Randy eventually takes over, and Randy's done such a good job of balancing mm -hmm. um, doing what you are. Like, this is who we are, and we're going to do it yeah. consistently – also mixing in some plays from the past, you know, some yeah. different shifting. And I still don't understand how it works, meaning how it is successful because I'm like, you're toe to toe. The backs are like two yards from the ball. This is nothing like you see anywhere else in high school football. I mean, what is great about what Randy does is that for the general, for the person watching the game, it looks like we're running the same play over and over again but Randy will have like five or six different looks for like the line, maybe how the receivers are set up for the same exact play. So he'll set up one way he could get the defense just to shift over. And it's like, that's just as he's playing chess out there. It's wild. Yeah. Interesting. No, I, I, I love dissecting it and being around the program more. It's fun to see, uh, take, talk to me about this last year, JT, the first uh, full season since the, you know, the 2020 uh, lockout season, um, what a special group of senior guys you got to coach. And, uh, ultimately I think one of the biggest wins in school history, uh, oh, yeah. winning at, at charter Oak. tell me about this year and specifically that win. Yeah. I mean, this year was such a special year. And part of that is due to what these guys had to endure, just basically having two years of their high school experience, just like stripped from them and you would think that for 
most kids that would kind of demoralize them wouldn't put a lot of effort into like football, especially the year we had no clue that we were going to play. But for these guys to go all out um, in practices during that time where the kids were away from school, we were coming down and doing practices every day, not knowing if we were going to play a game. And then for us to have a year like we had, um, I, man, I feel really thankful that they got to um, have a year like that, especially ending the way it did or not end, but have that culmination in that charter Oak game. Um, I'm sure every single real alum man was just salivating at that game, just what it meant for the program and just having lost friends to charter Oak and man, that was really special for them. And it's, it was a really cool traditional like RHP football team, like guys who are just like really gritty, not necessarily the biggest dudes. I mean, we had Ryan, but everyone else is just, you if you saw them with their pads off, they just look like any other RHP team. And it's, <laughs> that's, what's fun about us. So yeah, it was a really special year for them. We're really thankful that they got to have the success that they had um, just with what kind of went on with their high school career. Looking forward to next season already. I've got big plans for this podcast and coverage, and, yep. and I'm going to do this for years to come. I, I'm very excited to uh, promote this program as, as best we can. Uh, JT, you're now a, a husband, a father, you know, you're coaching kids. I mean, since you've graduated high school, has it felt like a whirlwind to where you're at now? What's it like, what's it like uh, being a family man now? It's good. I love it. Um, yeah, I met, I met my wife the summer I graduated which probably wasn't my parents intent they were going on a summer trip and they're <laughs> like oh you need to be doing something to make sure that you're not getting into trouble so they made me go be in a show at Citrus which is where I met my wife and then when they came back from the trip I'm like hey got a girlfriend I'm sure that's not what they wanted to hear but <laughs> um yeah we dated for four years and then got married, got married young at 23. I have three kids now. I got a six month old, two and a half year old, and then almost a five year old. Um, they were awesome. And yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's wild being in a house like that. Oh man. So with, with your voice, your wife's voice, no pressure on the kids, but they're probably destined to have a pretty <laughs> talented mu musical career. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't no know if it'll be, we'll see my, my oldest daughter is very dramatic. She, she'll definitely be in the drama department. Oh. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, you know, she, I think they'll all be pretty good athletes, but she's definitely a very dramatic person. And then my son is the middle one. He is, uh, he doesn't kill himself before he gets to high school sports. He is a nut. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Just like seeing them play sports, whatever they, I mean, even if they don't play sports, I've, I've always had the mindset if you gotta be good, you gotta be good at for sure. One thing like specialize yeah. in one thing, get good at it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. 
how how about uh, how you about your parents? Are they like typical grandparents where where uh, your kids can do no wrong and then they just like to give them back to you and uh, you know? Oh yeah, totally opposite of how they raised you, just <laughs> with the discipline and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, my mom <laughs> will take the kids probably like twice a week for a few hours and watch them. But yeah, my my dad was like, I feel like he was like real strict about like oh, your language, what you say. My my son he's in this phase where it's like oh his favorite words are like poop but like it's, i don't even know dude and it's like if i was was like that when i was like a little kid it would it would be like the end of the world with my dad and my parents just they do it they just laugh at it and it's like the funniest thing to them um so it's just it's just funny how like farther you get away from parenting and become a grandparent how your perspective kind of changes and just how they are with them and it's fun my they love my son or my son loves my dad like to death so he's always asking for papa and he goes to the softball games and he helps my dad drag the field on the tractor after the game so oh that's it's it's really cool um i i don't want to not mention uh your mom um she was somebody that, you know, we were all went through high school. She was so influential in the, in the girls department. And I know your dad is coaching the real Hondo girls uh, in, in a few sports now, but it was uh, Kim Parker, Mrs. Parker, who everyone, all the girls I, you know, I was in high school with, they, they looked up to her and loved her. And uh, you know, she's had a tremendous impact on so many people. And then uh, her, her, her donation to, um, Tawny drain here, man, what a year or so ago, uh, was just something that was so giving of herself and really summed up the type of person that, that Mrs. Parker is, at least from my memories, my experiences uh, with Mrs. Parker. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my mom is awesome with the girls that she coached. I think she does like a really great job of, I mean, in high school, people are constantly, messing up and making mistakes and my mom's really good at like looking past decisions that people make and like not judging people I guess um but just understanding that kids are kids and I think that's why she has such a great relationship with the girls that she coached and um I say my mom is more the vocal person in the family so if we if we have a question on maybe a moral issue or just a decision, a lot of that type of stuff, we go to my mom because she'll definitely have an opinion. She'll go to her Bible and we call, we, we messed around with her and said she was a Bible thumper, but <laughs> to, which is not a bad thing, but yeah, no, she, she, <laughs> no. but she, man, she's a, a student of the Bible and very, wise person who I respect yeah. a lot. So sounds like a, a great person to have as a mom, a grandmother, or as a, as a coach in high school. And, and I know so many of the, the uh, girls from my, my time, my generation uh, just looked up to her and had such high praise for her. So the much love to the Parker family, uh, JT, I have uh, one story I want us mm-hmm. to share uh, about you that I remember. Okay. That I think, I think it sums you up quite well, especially being a family, a family guy. Uh, okay. We were on a summer trip and we, we moved heaven and earth to try to find a six week trip or something. And we found on the way home, 
we found an In-N-Out burger. None of us had had In-N-Out for like for six weeks. And we were going to have In-N-Out mm-hmm. like the night before we got back home from the trip. And all the kids, all the guys were all happy. We were happy. We were just getting after it. And there may have been someone else, but I think it was you were like the only guy who refused to not have In-N-Out because you had you talked about it with your family that we, you were going to have it with them uh, the, the next day when you got back from the summer trip and you wanted to enjoy it with them. So you sat out, you abstained from in and out yes. as a, as a teenager, which was so impressive to me. And I'm like, come on, have it twice. You're like, that's funny. I, I do. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like at the time I probably didn't think of it as being like a super like discipline <laughs> type thing is probably more. I was just, yeah, I guess. I mean, I had waited all that time and uh, yeah, oh, why kill it on the last day? But yeah, I don't know how much it was about family or it was more like I said I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. That, <laughs> so, hey, that, work, that works too. Either way, it's, yeah. it's solid. But I was like, man, this guy's really dedicated <laughs> to his family. Uh, what a, he's got a bright future, this teenager. So yeah. anyway, funny, funny <laughs> stories. Uh, JT, I appreciate you coming on, man, talking to me about, you know, real baseball, real football and uh, you know, the, the great Parker family and, and you're doing a great work with the, the high school boys and just keep it up, man. And uh, we'll be seeing you, I'm sure, around uh, as football season is not that far away. I'm counting down the days. Yep. Thanks a lot, Matt. You got it, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Thanks again, JT Parker, for coming on the Get Home Safe podcast. I know Real Hondo Prep Baseball is in good hands and JT is a guy that I know will always look for ways to get better, reach out to other people and uh, find out just great ways to compete and improve the baseball program. And uh, excited that he is at the, uh, the, the reins there and has the reins and is also contributing to uh, the football program and just the high school boys and church, the church group there at uh, Cary Youth League. Uh, he's involved in so much as he has always been. And also a shout out to the Parker family, just a very special people there. Didn't mention uh, his two sisters who were, who were great competitors at Real Hondo Prep as well, but Joe Parker and, and Kim Parker, two people that have influenced so many uh, young, uh, young men and women there through Real Hondo Prep and JT's continuing that course. And yeah, he's right about his dad. Anything Mr. Joe Parker has his hands in, whether it's a softball field, the entrance at the school, making our eight man football field, 11 man, uh, anything, he, he sees it through and makes sure that, that it gets done well. So uh, JT Parker, fun conversation, man. Looking forward to football season. Let's get this thing kicked off. I'm ready to rock and roll. And you guys will, of course, have all the information you need for Real Hondo Prep Football on the new podcast uh, done that we're going to do here starting in the summer called A Charge to Keep. Looking forward to you guys joining me for that one. That will wrap up today's episode. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. And uh, man, we, here we are, summertime, right? Memorial Day weekend. Summer is here. Uh, it's going to be a fun few months up until... Uh, building up kickoff uh, here in August for the Real Hondo Prep football season and for RHP baseball, softball, basketball. Hey, you guys will be back. Uh, we'll be back before you know it and uh, big opportunities ahead in those sports as well. JT Parker, appreciate you. And to the Parker family, much love from the Get Home Safe podcast. Guys, have a fun, safe, uh, responsible weekend here on the extended weekend, the Memorial Day weekend, the official start of summer cannot wait for it but guys as always no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe